When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it a Wednesday with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, great to be with you, and uh, we'll dive in. You've got the official announcement this morning. Nebraska uh, adding two more to the uh, coaching staff. Mark Whipple, Donovan Riola, come on down. Some thoughts, some reaction as uh, Coach Frost has one spot remaining. Who and where will that go? We'll get into that. Numbers to dial up at 466-3776-466-3776-1-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. You can also follow Hale Varsity and at ESPN Lincoln. Email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. On the way, we'll check in with Mike Babcock in this first hour from Hale Varsity. Mike Schuhart. Shui will uh, join us in about 30 minutes. Andy Markowski and then uh, college football insider Brad Edwards will uh, get his thoughts on uh, Coach Whipple as uh, Brad has, you know, a little bit uh, of uh, kind of the same region of the country as where Whipple's uh, coached a lot of ball, the, the, the Northeast. So uh, get Brad's take on, on what he remembers about Whipple, the college football playoff. And uh, really, just uh, some of the Heisman thoughts, too. Kind of an afterthought weekend. Not that the Heisman's not awesome or important, but it's really been not a, not a ton of buzz with the Heisman uh, other than, hey, is another Bama guy going to win the Heisman this year? So we'll get into it. Uh, a lot to uh, sift through with Nebraska basketball. We'll get there in a moment. Nebraska dismantled last night, 102-67. You are angry, and you deserve to be angry as a Nebraska basketball fan with uh, what you witnessed and some of you stuck around for. And quite frankly, a lot of you uh, pulled the old fire drill routine and got out of there with 10 minutes left to go at PBA. Good. Because that was a nightmare to watch. I know they're college kids. But there is a monster disconnect going on. We'll examine that further. Okay, uh, reaction here. Mark Whipple, uh, you know that he uh, has done good things at Pitt. We outlined a lot of it yesterday uh, with Pickett, his quarterback. And uh, when we were talking with Kaz, uh, Kaz knows guys that, that have coached with him. And the long and short is you've seen improvement offensively uh, with Whipple when he's been at a spot. Donovan Riola uh, is uh, a name you know. He's a guy that uh, has has played at a high level, and he doesn't have maybe the, the coaching experience that some of the other offensive line coaches 
that are out there have, but maybe he's going to be the spark or the fit that you need for this offensive line. Just because he's younger doesn't mean he can't work or do well. And, and as much turnover has gone on at Nebraska, I'm, I'm out on declaring a thousand percent, this is going to be incredible, this is perfect, this is wonderful. Uh, we will know a year from now how these hires went. We'll know a year from now, well, probably – uh, whether or not there's a new head coach or not. I am confident in the get of Mickey Joseph. Mickey Joseph's proven he's a really good recruiter. His kids perform well uh, when he's coached down at LSU or wherever he's been. So I think the, the home run right now is is Mickey Joseph. I can say that, as I just told you, I'm not going to declare things. Mickey Joseph's an incredible get. Uh, Mark Whipple, at his age, with his experience, can be really good for Scott Frost. That's up to Scott Frost, if it's really good for Scott Frost. If he listens, if they meld ideas, if Whipple can bring in a, a, a portal quarterback or develop a Harburg or a Torres, okay? Th- that's something that you need. You need better quarterback development in Lincoln. Whipple has shown the ability to do that at some of his stops, either at the NFL or college level. Donovan Riola has uh, worked at Notre Dame. He's worked in Chicago. He's played for Barry Alvarez. He's got kind of the blessing of one of the more respected offensive linemen in, in Harry uh, Highstand, the old Notre Dame coach. He was the former offensive line coach with the Bears, and, and Harry's kind of been that pipeline of Notre Dame offensive linemen from 2012 through about 2016. Some of the best guards and tackles you watch on Sundays are Notre Dame offensive linemen. You have uh, Riola as a GA there. Uh, You have him as kind of the backup, the number two O-line coach with the Bears. Uh, That's the NFL. Some of that is out of Riola's hands when it comes to offensive line performance. Yes, you coach. But as Bill Parcells said, you don't get to pick the groceries a lot of times in the NFL. Time will tell with this. I've done some checking around. Folks that have either played with or know Donovan, and they're excited, not just because of the person, but because of the attitude, because of the mentality. I think he's a a tough dude that's a grinder that is going to connect well with the kids. That's what you hope for. That's what you need on this offensive line. Whipple's job is very simple. Put the stop sign up in game uh, with, with the head coach. Scott Frost has had games and, uh, and play calling that's been miraculous, that's been really good. It's been fantastic. There's been other times where you scratch your head. Can't always be perfect. You need a, a calm, experienced voice of reason when it comes to putting a game plan together. Not what you want to do, but what you can do. Here's how you can attack a defense. Here's what our quarterback can do. Here's how we can mesh with the run game. And, oh, yeah, let's get the passing game going with some of the talent you have in-house already and some of the talent Mickey Joseph and the rest of the staff can bring in. It's going to be uh, all hands on deck together formulating an offensive game plan that will work, that'll be executed, and that your team can do. And I think Whipple's biggest asset is going to be that uh, 
that experience. That's what this staff needs. That's what this staff has now on offense, uh, at least with the offensive coordinator spot in Mark Whipple. I can get into what makes me scared about these two hires, though. And one of those is whenever you, whenever you look at Pitt's offenses over the past couple of years, they've effectively dismantled their former offense, which was a power run offense, and turned it into a new fun and gun type offense. And, and that's okay. That's what works in the ACC. But then I, I look at the, the Riola hire, and with his experience at Notre Dame, uh, how they sent guys into the league, they were steamrolling teams. That's what their offensive line was built on. It was built on the power run. So I, I wonder if those two philosophies are going to butt heads and how much of this offense next year is going to be Whipple's offense and how much of it is going to be Scott Frost's offense with the Whipple influence in the passing game. That That's where my worry leads me after yesterday. However, uh, I, I'm very encouraged by what Whipple did to the offense at Pitt, and it worked. At the end of the day, he improved the offense steadily year after year. He uh, has a good red zone philosophy. They're one of the best red zone offenses in the country this year. And they're also one of the best teams in terms of points per play. They were efficient with how they scored points. So uh, that's what gives me some hope. But I do still have a little bit of worry specifically with what Whipple wants to do with the running game. Guess what? He had a quarterback that could go make plays Mm. and was mobile enough with his feet, accurate, and, and had time to throw the football in picket. And, and that's really the trick. You want to be a good offense, get a good quarterback. Have a good quarterback. You want to be a good offense, have an offensive line that can protect your quarterback or you can run the football. Be able to do what you want. Be able to run the football on third and four, third and three, or third and two against an Iowa or against Wisconsin. That's going to be it for Nebraska is you want to you compete in the West, you're going to run the football. You're going to have to outrush or be even rushing the football against Minnesota, against Iowa, and against Wisconsin. End of discussion. So you may want to pass first. You may be more prone to being 50-50 or inching up 55-45, whatever the, the ratio is. You need to be able to run the football. And that means finding a back and finding an offensive line and then emphasizing it and doing it. I think Whipple's going to be, I know his history is is throwing the football. But I think overall it's just going to be a sound take on here's the game plan that I think can work and I can run the offense. Let me take over. Scott, go be the CEO dude now. And if there's trust there, then there you go. Nebraska on the the portal hunt with uh, Zach Gibson. He's visiting this weekend. Portal quarterback from Akron. Miles Brennan is uh, seeing Bill Bush and and Mickey Joseph down in Baton Rouge. I think the Journal Star reported that. So you you get a guy like Miles Brennan who's not had a bad career. He's just not been Joe Burrow down at LSU. You get a guy that can can throw the football and take care of the football and isn't a statue, there you go. My my biggest, like, question mark slash intrigue is what can a guy like Whipple do with Harburg and Torres and, and maybe future quarterbacks? Because here's the other thing with Nebraska. They have shifted style and body type in the quarterback room. They've done it, right? You don't have McCaffrey. You still have Smothers, and I want to see Smothers – here to compete and see if he can't get developed into beyond a competent thrower because I love his toughness and his grittiness. I think he's a really good football player. 
but the quarterbacks Nebraska's gone after aren't McCaffrey. Uh, it's not even an Adrian body type anymore. It's, okay, Harburg, athlete, but more pro body type. Torres, big, 6'5", 6'6", athlete, but thrower first. That's fine. If you're going to go more towards the throw first, but be mobile, be dangerous enough to, to scramble a little bit or extend a play, that's all right. That's okay with me. And to me, Whipple's going to be a nice fit with that. Time will tell. The other thing here is, did you settle or did you get who you wanted? And quite honestly, where Nebraska's at, with where Scott Frost is at, it's probably somewhere in the middle. There's other offensive coordinator names you heard. There's other... There's a thousand other jobs open right now that have more security and longevity potentially than Nebraska. So it's a hard sell. I mean, Jeff Quinn's the name that at Notre Dame, that's probably who you go get as your first pick because of what he's done with the Irish on the offensive line. Jeff Quinn probably doesn't want to go look at a one-year deal. And I'm not saying that's end-all, be-all. Who knows, right? Mickey Joseph's got a three-year deal. But right now, who you can get and who may fit, uh, it maybe made sense to go get Donovan. But you you did take the time to interview Quinn because he's really talented and he's he's done it. He's a guy in his sixties. But you got a nice mix of old and young, right? You've got a, a young guy in, in Donovan. You got an older, experienced coach in Whipple. Now the question here is. What is that final spot filled with? Is it Ron Brown as running backs coach? Is it Bill Bush as special teams coordinator? Do you shift? Because you have one spot left, and you've got some other names out there. And you, and you have you have one spot left and two positions to fill, special teams and running back. So does somebody take over uh, a, a spot on the offensive side or defensive side? Do they merge it? Is it wide receiver and tight ends? Is Beckton a guy that looks at coaching running backs? Is that even possible? Not that he couldn't. He's really good. But he's been his forte has been uh, coaching tight ends, right? So that's, that's what happens next. Nebraska's gotten three guys to fill out uh, the four spots that's important. Nebraska basketball. This basketball team, it, it's, it's going to happen where you get blown out by good teams in the Big Ten. Michigan's your defending conference champ. Michigan's had some bumps in the road, but they're they're good. They share the basketball. They have an offense. They cut. They defend. Above all, Michigan plays for one another. Nebraska basketball in three years has had a hard time playing for one another. And listen, if I'm Fred Hoiberg, he looked like the most dejected, defeated guy there is, and he should have. His team quit. That's inexcusable. The effort was garbage. The shot selection was worse. And everyone stands around and watches the other dribble. This game gets you kicked off of ESPN or major platforms for about two years as far as showcase opportunity. And you got guys in Wiltshire and Webster and McGowan's that they'll they'll get a pass or or have the ball and launch and keep launching from three. There's no attempt nine times out of ten to drive the basketball to the rim. And I know they're going up against rim protectors. But at some point, you got to realize the shot ain't going to fall from three. Quit taking them. Go get a basket. 
Get some offense going. Just run sets. Please, for the love of God, just run called-out plays from Fred Hoiberg against Auburn on Saturday at 1030. I am sick of the Verge show. That's nothing against him. He's put it, he poured his heart in in 31 points last night. And sometimes his decision-making ain't great. But he didn't lose the game last night. No, he, he didn't lose the game last night, Elijah. He had other guys. Kisei? Dude, I don't need this step back over a seven-footer. Go watch. You have Please. the speed advantage on him. You have to. Drive. Drive and dish. You have, a, you have a selfish team. You've got a Hollywood team. You've got a soft team. And they showed it. Because guess what? They've quit once. They did last night. And you're only five, you're only <laughs> you're only ten games in. You quit once, real easy to quit again. Fred's got a mess on his hands. Uh, I hope they, they play hard for him on Saturday. Mike Babcock next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Mike Babcock joins us here, Hail Varsity Radio on a Wednesday at Empty Babs on Twitter. That's where you follow Mike, hailvarsity.com and magazine. Nebraska Football Insider. Babbers, we'll get to Nebraska basketball in a moment, but what's your reaction and thought here, Mark Whipple, Donovan Raiola? What what impact can they have on this Husker offense? What what's uh, best case impact for for either guy here? It's it's uh, going to be a unique year for Nebraska next year. Yeah, it definitely is, uh, Smitty, and I you know I think that uh, Donovan Raiola has the Maybe the bigger task, you know, just to get the offensive line to where it needs to be because as we've talked uh, just about every time we talk about football, you know, you've got the offensive line is where the where the offensive success starts. So can you get the offensive line to do what you want it to do in order to run the offense that, uh, you know, whatever, whatever Whipple installs or however he helps Scott Frost with what Scott Frost wants to run? Which is more the more the case, I'm sure. But uh, um, you know, it'll be uh, uh, Frost said in the in the hiring process that uh, he wasn't looking for dramatic changes, but he just uh, tweaking things here and there. And and so we'll see how these two uh, how these two coaches uh, allow him to do the kind of tweaking that he wants to do with his offense. Mike, you have. What you have on the offensive line, you're figuring out quarterback, and and you know the offense has some Saturdays put up uh, some great drives, some big plays. They've they've scored some points, right? I mean, for for the Wisconsin game, you you were able to answer against a really good defense. Uh, the Northwestern game, you're able to go off uh, and, and do what you want 
and then there's uh, those games where you're just stagnant and stalled. What what do you envision with Whipple and Frost from a collaborative standpoint? Well, uh, I hope what we can envision is what uh, Pittsburgh had this year. <laughs> just uh, cue up the Pittsburgh offense, says yeah, Babbers. <laughs> let's cue up this offense here that has uh, Kenny Pickett at quarterback, and he throws for forty-seven or 43 touchdowns with seven interceptions and over 4,300 yards, and he's got a receiver that catches all, almost 1,593 catches for uh, Addison, uh, 93 catches for almost 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns, and he had three he had three running backs. Somehow he was able to work that in there. Uh, they combined for over 1,600 yards rushing, and um, each of those guys averaged at least five yards a carry, and I think they scored uh, 16 touchdowns between them. So there's a pretty good, you know, even though you hear so much about Pickett and he, you know, his his Heisman Trophy run, but um, uh, they had uh, they had other pieces to the puzzle, and obviously they had a good offensive line to to protect him. Uh, when you throw 43 touchdown passes and only seven interceptions, you're getting good protection, I think. Mike, if you had to put money down today, if you had to guess, who do you think will be calling plays for the Husker offense next year? Will it be Frost or will it be Whipple? Uh, I think that it will be Whipple. Um, I think that Scott had learned uh, from his experiences here the first couple seasons that uh, that it's too difficult. There are too many responsibilities that the head coach has. Um, you know, Tom Osborne was his own offensive coordinator, called the plays for 25 seasons. That was unique. Frank Solich tried to do it, didn't work out. Um, I, I just think that there's too much responsibility for a head coach to to be that specific when there are too many things that need to be taken care of at this point. You know, maybe maybe it'll get to the point where uh, things are being taken care of and he can put his focus on that but I think right now that's that would be my guess is that he's bringing in Whipple and that's that's going to be part of the responsibility because he said that that was one of the things that he wanted to do Mike what'd you make of the search and the opportunity how how tough a sell do you think it was for for coach Frost to, to fill out his staff well you know I, my sense was that it was it was probably not very easy because uh because of all the changes that are happening in college football, for one thing, and for the situation as it stands at Nebraska. You know, there's probably no guarantee after next year uh, if you don't get things turned around. Now, you can be optimistic, um, which I prefer to be, and, and feel like, the, you know, they can get some things turned around next season because they were so close this season. I think that, you know, that's an indication that, uh, you know, hey, maybe the things are going to fall the other way. Uh, man, you bring in some new faces. I'm, again, I'm sad to see the four guys go that that went, but um, you got to move forward here, and and uh, and so let's see what uh, what these guys can bring in to to get your team to the to the next level, to the next take the next step. I guess. I mean, they don't have to win ten games and and be in the playoffs next year. I just you know uh, get to a bowl game. Um, you know, maybe go seven and five or something like that. Just show some progress that it's going in the right way, and I think you'll, I think you can be satisfied. Mike, how do you juggle the one spot that's left with 
two positions of need, running back coach and special teams coordinator? Well, I'm still of a mind that they, they don't need one coach solely devoted to special teams. I think that's got to be a, a dual responsibility somewhere. So um, can you bring in uh, a running backs coach who also can work with special teams? Um, can you Do you have somebody on staff, you know, he, Scott Frost said some good things about Mike Dawson um, and his handling of special teams at some point, but we saw, you know, the problems that special teams had have had, and you really have to emphasize that. But I don't think that you have to have one coach that's solely responsible for special teams. I think it's it's clear what special teams have to do, and I think you can do that without having uh, one person to to be responsible for it. it Nebraska's just never really been in that situation where there's been a special teams coach solely. I think Mike Riley had it for two seasons, Reed, and, and uh, you know, we, we would see Bruce Reed uh, uh, leaving the practice field after the first part of practice. It wasn't devoted to special teams, headed up to his office. I don't know to call recruits or what the deal was, but I think you have to have uh, – in order to maximize your, your coaching staff, I think you have to have special teams be part of something else. Ideally, you know, you get Coach Brown as the running backs coach. You keep um, Bush on as your your analyst. <laughs> and, and between Mickey and Ron and and Dawson, maybe you, you attack it that way with uh, more of an emphasis on better players or high-level guys on special teams. And you go get two kickers, a punter, and a kicker that are, are nails. I mean, you go yeah. emphasize the position. Yeah, specialist is important, and and you're right. Yeah, and Mickey Joseph has had some experience with working with special teams. And and so, you, yeah, you you team up. I'd like to see Ron Brown as the running backs coach. I don't know what the plan is there, but, I you know, and I don't know what his thought is on uh, returning to coaching full-time, but uh, I, I would certainly like to see him be the running backs coach and, and let them have uh, – special teams divided among a couple of the coaches. Mike Babcock with us. A couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio. We turn our attention to basketball. <laughs> Babbers, did you watch or did you go last night? Uh, I watched. I didn't go. Um, it reminded me of the Bob Devaney story when he was getting off the train. Uh, when he was at Wyoming, he was getting off the train. They came back from Denver, I think, and he got off the train and he bumped into a lady and he said, excuse me, ma'am, I meant no offense. And she said, yes, and your defense stinks too. Um, that's what I, that's what I saw last night. Um, maybe less so on the defensive end, but the, but the offense just, it, it just looked like there was no, there was no offensive system. I mean, it was just, uh, players were standing around. You, you, you've talked about it, you know, that, uh, uh, Burge is a very talented player you know, I don't dispute that. But he's got to come down and get the ball moving around. And especially if you're going to rely as much on the three-point shot as Nebraska does, I think you've got to pass the ball around. You saw what Michigan did. Um, they passed the ball around the perimeter, and when they did take three-point shots, those were, for the most part, those were open three-point shots. And they had, they, uh, they had some success, and, and uh, Nebraska just seemed like three-point shots just come up. You know, somebody gets the ball over than Verge and they, they shoot a three-point shot. I was very disappointing. And, I, you know, I hope that's not reflective of, of what this team is going to be this season. 
Mike, watching last night, you said it really well. The, the organization was bad offensively, and I've seen better offensive organization down at the rec center. Uh, it feels like watching that basketball team last night. What, what do you think the the problem is? Is it is it ball movement? Is it poor shot selection? It just feels like something is wrong, and I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe it's the 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 lack of having a real post presence. Can, can you put your finger on what the the biggest problem this Husker offense faces is? Well, I always tend to oversimplify things, but I think ball movement is an important part of it. You know, that you got to come down, move the ball around a little bit. Um, don't, you know, don't have Verge come down and everybody stand around and watch him drive to the basket. And he, he made some remarkable shots driving to the basket. But I think that you've got to take advantage of the, of the other four guys on the court. And the way you do that is to pass the ball around a little bit. They've got guys that can shoot three-point shots. But I think when you're rushing them or just taking them um, without passing the ball around, um, you get the kind of percentage that Nebraska's had here with three-point shots. They're just not hitting those shots. Um, you got to get you got to get the open look if you're going to be in that position. And I and I think that comes with passing the ball. Pass the ball. That's what you have to do. Um, and I don't see Nebraska doing a lot of that. There's no chemistry. There's absolutely, at least based off of last night, there's no chemistry, no care to find teammates or even want to get teammates involved. I mean, and Verge is going uh, John Wayne trying to get to the rim, uh, and he he's he's not the problem. I, I think he's – you nailed it. He's trying to get others involved, but no one's moving, and guys are just catching and launching, and it's just brutal. How – Fred's too good a coach historically to allow this to happen. And, and I mean, last night there's so many people ticked off not that you got blown out, but how you got blown out, where you just you just kind of rolled over. Yeah, yeah, and it, Fred has got to be frustrated, uh, really frustrated with what he sees out there, because I think, you know, he's, he's he's tried to get these guys to do these things, and you know, once in a while you'll see it happen, and then they just fall back into the to the same uh, pattern that that uh, that we're talking about, and you know, and then when you get behind the way they did. Um, you know, you got to take a take a uh, follow the example of the football team. You know, not that they got behind by that degree, but you got to fight to the last. You know, don't give up just because your things are not going well for you early. And and uh, it just looked like Nebraska just kind of gave up at the end. And and you know, you you don't want to see that from a team. You know, just fight to the end. That's what you want. Mike, we'll check in next week. Thanks for the time today, bud. Me, guys. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. 25 minutes away, Andy Markowski, Husker basketball standout, to get his take on the uh, crossroads that is Nebraska basketball after last night's beatdown. Our old buddy uh, Rock Westfall tweets in, says it's time for Iba Ball 
Anyone who won't play defense can enter the transfer portal. Anyone who doesn't get what uh, can and must be done should watch Wisconsin and what they do for basketball, kind of like football. Nebraska can find both blueprints at Wisconsin. Interesting how that works. Uh, I want to bring in Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. We'll talk some golf with Shuey in a moment. Shuey, uh, what would your message have been to the Nebraska basketball team had you been asked to uh, to address the team post game? Oh, that wouldn't have been good. <laughs> that would not have been good. Fred, <laughs> Fred should have resigned immediately. And half of those players should not ever see the court again. The last five to seven minutes of that game was the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. I mean, I've always been under the assumption that you keep doing what it is that you are trying to do, no matter what, Mm -hmm. because that's what makes you better. You're always trying to perfect your craft and to make it better. And that last five minutes, I mean, guys were two steps over the half-court line and just chucking it up. I mean, it was unbelievable. And if Fred has that little control of his players in the program, I mean, he, he's got to go, which I think he does. I mean, I, it's, I mean, he has a philosophy on what he thinks is going to and how it's going to work, and it probably does if you can execute that. But they talk about three, you know, threes not going in. Well, man, you look at the threes they shoot, half of them are, are not good shots. I mean, you could work the ball two more times around and get a way better shot than they shoot. So, I mean, it's just really frustrating. I mean, it, to me, it's, 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 it's despicable that you, you allow a team to play like that. That's, that's, that's gross. Nebraska fans. So my message. No, <laughs> Nebraska fans uh, are beside themselves with with some of the lack of effort and the shot selection but more so to your point it being allowed to happen exactly you can't allow that to happen i mean you have to you have to teach those kids what it is they're supposed to do first of all you have to believe in what it is that you do and you have to teach them and you have to get them to buy in and do it and that is not fun to do at times when it's not good you know verge takes a beating but i if I was Verge, so what I've seen so far, I would do exactly what he's doing. Because why the heck am I going to feed it to a guy in the corner that's going to lap man is just absolutely horrendous. The shots he throws up, and I mean, they don't even hit the rim. They're hitting the side of backboards. So it's like, why would you throw it out to a guy? Welcher? What is that? I mean, that guy was supposed to be a three-point specialist. Are you kidding me? That guy can't even hit the rim. You know, that's not mental. That That is undisciplined, not getting a good enough shot and knowing what that is. Mike Stewart's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Mike, I saw a quote on Twitter last night, and it was after Coach Hoiberg's post-game press conference where he was pretty critical of the team, called it humiliating, called it embarrassing, one of the worst uh, games he's been a part of. And I saw a quote on Twitter. I'm not sure who originally said it, but I remember Bo Pelini saying it uh, during a rainy night in Columbia, Missouri, a Thursday night, uh, probably about 10 years ago now, where he said, uh, sometimes whenever you want to point the finger, you should point the thumb. Do you you think that's accurate uh, in this case when you look at what Coach Hoiberg has done with this team this year? No question. I mean, that's the other thing that's really frustrating to me is that you're – I relate everything to golf, obviously, because that's what I know. But I don't have my best stuff every time I go out and play golf. That doesn't mean I can't still be successful. 
the problem with that team is they have one way, and if it doesn't work, they have no other way to do it, and they get blown out by 30, you know? And he, he talked about the Indiana game and how much better they played defense and this and that. They got beat by, what, 15, 12. Is that good? You, you're losing, and you're losing by 12 as opposed to 30? I don't get it. I mean, I just don't. It's so frustrating to me. I mean, I was livid last night. Shuey, I was thinking about you. <laughs> Watching, I was like, Shuey's busted a couple, three TVs because you love Husker hoops, you love Husker football. You're a fan. I mean, you've you, you coached and played for for years at Nebraska, so I know that uh, you're you're as big a big Red fan and supporter as there is. And you're also a, a longtime college coach, so you've been at the Division One level. And this is just what what puzzles me. And we go back to approach. The approach when Fred came in, seven-year deal, and you look at all the in-state talent that's now killing it elsewhere. And I'm not saying you could. I'm not saying you could have got them, but you went with the quick fix and went went portal. You were you were transfer you, and and that's that that has worked at times. But man, oh man, the last three years from a team chemistry and sharing the ball and 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 ball movement on offense, it has been horrendous. It has, and it's frustrating to me because I'm older. So it's like you build a foundation to build a great program. You got to start somewhere, and they're not building any foundation. Their foundation is built on quicksand. You know, you, you just like you said, you bring guys in for one year and done. Well, what kind of foundation are you bringing in? You're just you're just hiring a bunch of mercenaries and hope that you you happen to hit once. It's like I want I want a culture. I want a foundation that's built that can be sustainable. This is how you play. This is what you do. And you, you, you kind of match it and switch it according to a little bit of what your talent is. You know, I mean, they, they don't have any, there's no foundation. They just shoot threes. And if they make a whole bunch of them, they will win games. But the problem is they're shooting less than 20%. They're not going to win any game doing that. So it's like by the time they do have a game where they make a high percentage of threes and they happen to win, they're going to be one in ten. What is that culture? That's stupid. No. I mean, it's it's ignorant. The the culture right now is I'm going to go get mine, and uh, there's 16 NBA scouts uh, at PBA last night, so I better show out. And there's just no playing for the other guy. It's it's kind of a, I, I call it Hollywood. I call it superficial. And that kind of mentality's yeah. allowed to, to happen. The, it is. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's it's bad. It's it's terrible. You know, and you can't you can't even let a kid buy in to that because I mean that's that's what they're already coming in with. Mm-hmm. That's what they think. They're they're high ranking players, and it's like your job is to kind of break that down and put them in their place. You know, it's like I've always said, you know, p- parents used to come to me and, and then the players, and it's like, you know, it's not going to be okay. But if you do this, it will be okay. Mm-hmm. It is not going to be okay until you do this. So it's like if you want to be successful. These are the things that you do, you know. They won't do it. Wilhelm, what is that? I mean, that guy's 6'11", and all he does, him and Lat, all they do is shoot horrible threes. And it's like you're getting out-rebounded like massive because they're soft. I mean, they're soft show team. I mean, they're just NBA. That's what they think they are. And they're, 
NBA, they, they they can't even play. I could put a good high school team against them, and they would at least play them tough. Shuey, about ten seconds. Tell me about Wilderness Ridge. What's going on? Well, we got our lap pool poured today, so things are starting to take shape. So uh, uh, slowly chipping away at that. So kind of right on target. So come the spring, we're going to have our lazy river and our adult swim up bar and our jacuzzi and lap pool splash pad so it's going to be really exciting it's going to be really really neat good uh, holiday idea getting that membership to wilderness Shuey, maybe it'll be better next week we'll check in then but thanks for the time all right thanks for having me appreciate it and now and now back to hail varsity radio quick hour winded down hour one hail varsity presented by the nebraska lottery Andy Markowski, Husker standout, going to be with us in 10 minutes. College football insider Brad Edwards get his uh, takeaway on some of the Nebraska hires and the coaching carousel as it's slowly stopping finally. So it's been a while since we talked to to Brad uh, Edwards. We'll get Andy's thoughts on Nebraska's debacle against Michigan. The blowout bad, but the effort worse. Fred Hoiberg last night. When it comes to uh, that lack of fight, and that's what will drive you most crazy as a Nebraska basketball supporter. You know, we had guys that didn't practice the last couple of days with, uh, you know, sinus infections. They were all tested. They all tested negative. We've got one not here that's redshirting this year because of an influenza um, diagnosis. Still can't affect it. I mean, you know, listen, I, you know, I could sit here and pretend I was a very good player, but, you know, if my shot wasn't falling, I was going to run through a wall and find a way to impact the game. And we had no fight, just no fight tonight. And that's that's the thing that just, it's, it's, uh, it's very disheartening. So, You've got today and tomorrow before you get ready for Auburn to try and fix this, to try and get some buy-in, to try and play for one another. But, yeah, you're at a breaking point already. Let's go to the phones real quick. <laughs> Just like buyer beware. Should we let him or not? Yeah? All right. Okay. Let's get John on the horn. We going to grab him? John, go ahead. Thanks for hanging on. Hey, I, you know, last night was rough, and I cringe, but I'm going to tell you right now, if Husker fans want a little reprieve, go buy a ticket to the Husker women's basketball games. That team is good. They play hard. They execute. They play, and I'm telling you, they're going to win a lot of games this year, and I think they deserve some butts in the seats. So They are talented. I, they I play for one the- another. They're unselfish. I mean, they're kind of a 180 right now. They the are. Yeah, if you look at their points, almost every one of their buckets are being assisted. They're just fun to watch. And after a football season like we had and a start to the men's basketball, it's fun to cheer for a winner. It is, John. And you got uh, Coach Williams uh, doing big-time things. And, of course, Husker Volleyball rocking and rolling. And Will Bolton, his crew, going to be ready to take the diamond in February. So, uh, that's that's the upside. We'll see if basketball can well, get off the mat here. Thanks for the phone call, bud. Appreciate it. Now, Husker women are, are incredibly talented. Big-time win for them at Minnesota. We'll talk a little Husker women with Eddie Markowski as well here next segment uh, with Alexis doing really nice things as a freshman on the team. Yeah, a little nervy after that first quarter against Minnesota, too. They jumped out big, and then Minnesota kept on fighting back. But what do winners do? They win. That's what the Husker basketball team did the other night is they got a win against Minnesota even whenever they were trying to let it slip between their fingers. With, with Fred, and listen, he's a guy that is 
respected around college. He's respected around the NBA. So Fred is a dude and Fred is a coach are are high level, but you're just the 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 players aren't aren't doing their part. And I know they're not the adults. He's the head coach. But you had to have the mother of all come to Jesus's today. I, I hope that happened for these guys at practice, where they're just going to be better teammates and, and understand time and space, when to take a shot. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466 espn or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Welcome to it. It's Hour 2, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's welcome in uh, Husker basketball standout Andy Markowski with us. Andy, thanks for the time. know it's a busy time of year for you when it comes to coaching and watching the Husker women and, and following Nebraska men's basketball. One word from you as a former Husker basketball standout to describe last night's loss. Disaster? Is that too strong? No, not at all. <laughs> we, we have uh, our old buddy Mike Schuhart at Wilderness, who's a, a big basketball fan, just went off. <laughs> I mean, he's – and you probably saw it on social media. Did you go last night or did you just watch on TV? Yeah, uh, fortunately for me, I was at Pius uh, basketball practice, so I was uh, able to watch uh, when, when I kind of – Went back into practice. It was 13-13, kind of came back in right before halftime, and then, you know, caught bits and pieces of the second half. Uh, so didn't didn't watch the whole thing, but but certainly uh, understand the, the, the storyline and, and, you know, had a chance to look at the stat sheet. And, um, you know, and, and that's cumulative off of, of some things that uh, have been going on, you know, already this season. So, you know, you can kind of deduct – you know, what happened and the why, but, but just, um, you know, extremely disappointing. Andy, is, is it too late or is there still time for, for Nebraska basketball, for Coach Hoiberg, for this team to turn it around? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of season left, um, but, uh, you know, there's really nothing uh, that I've seen from this group um, you know, an identity, a, a culture, uh, you know, something that, you know, th- they can they can fix that would allow them, you know, to be competitive over a 20-game, a you know, difficult conference slate. So, you know, is there time? Yes. 
Um, but but there's really nothing that I, I would point to as a coach and say, you know, if we can just shore up, you know, this and this, you know, we, we, we have a chance to, to win games. I mean, they're, you know, certainly losing McGowan's, you know, do, did not help them. They they only had so much toughness and maturity and, and, and leadership, you know, that, that getting him back could help. Um, but I don't know if he can get back soon enough to right the ship. I mean, the schedule doesn't get easier. Um, and it's not making shots. I mean, everybody's pointing the finger at, you know, their, their shooting. I mean, they got a rebounded by 16. They had six assists. I mean, wh- wh- where do you start? They, they give up a you know record number of three-point made shots to every team they play. There's really no area that that you can point to to say, hey, if we just spend a little time here, this could help us win a couple games. I just don't see what what Fred can do to to fix it outside of getting McGowan's back, which, you know, stabilizes, uh, you know, a position defensively and offensively. Andy Markowski is with us. Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska basketball. Are you surprised it, it went this way? And, and you know, for the last three years, the the roster has been transfers. It's been kind of a collection of guys looking for a new, fresh start. And it's been kind of the same story. There's been kind of a lightning rod player on the roster. And I look at Verge, and I think Verge has changed for the better I don't know that he's getting a lot of help, uh, and and I know he scored what he scored last night, and he, he took twenty shots. But I don't think he was. He's not ever perfect, but I think he's been way better. Uh, no one else around him's moving. There's no flow. There's no system, and it's it's tough because I know that's not mayor ball. I mean, when I look at Fred's offenses, Andy, when he's won, he's had guys sharing the ball, and guys are in position to make shots. Yeah, I, I I did anticipate it to be different because you know it it wasn't a complete overhaul of, of the roster. You know you had you had Mayan back, you know that had a lot of starts. You had Walker back that I, you know I thought did a lot of good things a year ago. You had Webster back, which gave you some some leadership at the guard spot. You know then you bring in Wilhelm and Bryce McGowan, which are two freshmen, you know high school kids that tend to come in and 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 follow leadership. So I, I thought they had more consistent pieces in place to, to have a, you know, a culture of, you know, knowing what it's going to take to win, you know, close games, win in the big 10. Um, and, and this group, you know, just doesn't seem to, to understand or, or play with an urgency to, to do any of that. Now, I don't think Verge, you know, the ball is being put in Verge's hands to, to make plays by, by design, uh, but to your point, I, I used to go back and watch Fred at Iowa State because some of the concepts that he ran, and he ran a ton of set plays um, with a lot of screening and, and, and just intuitive different things offensively, and he appears lost to me um, in, in terms of what he's trying to do, uh, the volume of offense that they have in. Um, you know, they're a terrible conversion defensive team, but, but I, I point the fingers on, you know, you have a shooter in each corner, and then you run a high screen roll with Walker that usually runs to the rim after the roll, and then you have Verge that penetrates and usually either makes out or falls down. So you, so you have four people that are on the, the baseline, 
and one person transitioning back. And, and you can't, you know, whatever you do offensively, you've got to be able to, to transition back and build a defense and take easy baskets away and run teams off the three-point line. And, you know, I mean, every game we have, you know, 10 players will fall down driving to the basket because they're shooting some off-balance shot, which just puts our defense in a more compromised spot. So I, I've been – I was a Fred believer. I, I thought, man, if, if, if he can't win here – I don't know who can, but but there's been nothing that I've seen this year that tells me that this group can figure it out, or if if, if they can figure it out moving forward. Because you you know you're only two games in the conference, and you're talking about a team quitting. I mean that that's scary. I mean there, there's 18 more conference games, uh, and, and you're gonna have to go on the road to some difficult places. So, um, you know, I think Coach Hoiberg fired a, a shell, right? I mean, you can fire at your team only so much before they tune you out. If, if they don't respond to that and have a, have a coach publicly uh, humiliate you in terms of your effort, um, you know, this, this team's not, not going to turn the corner. Andy, the wild stat to me last night was that Nebraska, over the entire game, only had six assists and they only had four from their starting lineup. Is that a... A, a, a scheme issue, or is that an issue with the players just not wanting to move the rock around? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not every, at every practice, but you know the reason why Burge has 31. Our, our teams are allowing him to to control the basketball. They're they're not helping on a lot of uh, of the penetration, which forces Burge to either um, you know shoot it um, or or make a last second decision on what to do with the basketball. And then when you, you know, when you go three for a million from the three-point line, I mean, every, you know, we don't, we don't get threes off the dribble. Most of our threes are coming off of penetration and pitch. So, you know, when, when you miss, you know, majority of your shots, you're, you're not going to have assists. So, you know, that, that's that, I think, is a combination of both. But, you know, Verge is getting, you know, kind of blamed on, on everything. And, unfortunately, he, he's being put in a, in a tough spot where, you know they're running a high pick and roll, and and nobody is is helping. So he's you know he's forced to to shoot it, um, or you know um, you know turn it over because because just the, the, you know what's Fred's running offensively. So I, I do think there's a layer of selfishness with this group, but but the six assists is more than just players not passing. That, that that's a compounding issue on a lot of fronts. A few more minutes, Andy Markowski with his Husker basketball standout, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, the beatdown last night at PBA, Nebraska annihilated 102-67. And uh, it's one thing to get blown out. It's another thing to uh, to tap out. And uh, it looks like this team tapped out. Fred was his, just looking at his face in the postgame last night. I mean, he just was uh, – there's a thousand words you could stamp on the forehead because he was disgusted, and uh, he's in charge of that. Now, Andy, uh, a thought with – Guys like a Wiltshire, like a Webster, like, like a McGowan's in their shot selection and even Kisei. I mean, those are guys that, that you said, okay, I believe they are talented enough to help us win in the Big Ten. They're, they're not hitting, but they're also not driving the ball. They're, they're square peg round hole in this thing from distance, and it isn't going in. Uh, do you have a talk with them today, tomorrow, if you're Fred, about shot selection do you sit them because they're not making them? How do you how do you go about handling that as a coach? 
Well, they're, they're brought in to shoot. I mean, that, that's who Welcher and Case they are. I mean, you, you don't want them driving. You know, I mean, that that's, you know, they're catch-and-shoot players. You know, now Casey is getting, you know, guarded hard, and, and, you know, they're running him off the three-point line and, you know, making things, you know, difficult for him. You know, Wiltshire, you know, I mean, I, I, I think maybe he's a good shooter, but at some point you are who you are. Like, you know, I mean, if you – you know, if, if if you can't make a shot, you're not a shooter. Like, you know, there, you always tell people, like, great high school shooters are good college shooters. Good high school shooters are, are bad college shooters, you know. So, I mean, to make a shot at that level, the three-point line is, is further back. The amount of time that you have to get the shot off is, is less. You have length and, and athleticism running at you. You know, I, I think all those things are, are, are showing themselves. Um, but – you know, those those two are, are you know, and, and, you know, McAllen's is not a shooter, you know, but he's got to be able to make a, a jump shot or teams will play so soft on his right hand that makes driving hard. So he's got to keep shooting threes because that opens the rest of his game up. If, if he can't make a perimeter jump shot, you know, the scouting in the Big Ten is going to make it really hard for him to drive. But, you know, when you're recruited here in Fred's system to sit in the corner and and, and shoot threes and you can't make them, um, you know, there, there's a problem. I, I don't know who else they can go to, you know, on the bench that, that, that give them a chance to score, but you got to start asking yourselves, you know, if, if they keep missing, you have to go to somebody else because you don't want Casey and Wiltshire putting the ball on the floor and driving. Cause that's not their strengths and that's not going to help the offense. Andy, let's go hindsight here with the build. And was it a mistake to go the transfer route versus try and land some of these in-state kids that seem to be playing at a high level other 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 spots around the country? Or or was Nebraska basketball not going to have a shot at the in-state kids? Let's go back three years. Well, I, I think they recruited all the in-state kids. I mean, they 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 you know, I mean, from 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 Chucky to to Salas to uh, Trout. I mean, it, it, you know. Um, Green at you know the senior at Miller. No, I mean I, I I don't think you know the staff didn't you know try to recruit those kids. You know, and unfortunately our, our program has been so poor over 20 years. You know, in-state kids don't have a pride of of, of staying here, even though you know Fred Hoiberg opens up maybe a professional you know basketball opportunity. That that wasn't enough to, to sell to them to stay. So I I don't think it was that, Chris. I, I think they tried and, and just you know couldn't couldn't retain the, the in-state talent. Um, now, you know, quick fix seems seems always to be the easy thing to do. And, and you know, once again, though, I I felt they signed some high school kids. McFerrin is a high school kid. Uh, McGowan's is a high school kid. Wilhelm was a high school kid. So. You know, I thought they, they did a nice job of trying to blend in year three where you just didn't take all all transfers. And, you know, you have a few more high school kids, um, you know, coming in next year. Um, but, yeah, once again, what, whatever they're doing, uh, the chemistry's not good. The toughness not, is good. Culture is a, you know, is a strange word. What does that mean? But, but you know, culture to winning and fighting. And, you know, obviously they, they don't have a level of toughness that you need when adversity hits. And, um, you know, I think the coaching staff has to ask themselves what, what they can do different or better to, to, to change that. But, you know, what, what I've seen up to this point, 
you know, they're they're lacking in in a lot of areas, uh, which which tells me, you know, that they can't be successful in this league. It's it's, you know, I'm not saying forever, but but right now the the roster they have put together uh, doesn't understand the the level of toughness that and grit you have to play with to, to be successful. And if if you don't have that, you can't you can't win at the Big Ten. Andy, about a minute here, bud. Uh, what did you think of the Husker women uh, getting the road win Monday? Yeah, now you want to talk about grit and, and toughness. Now that, that group has a lot figured out. Now, um, you know, it's, it's one win in the league, but um, you know, they 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 play together. They've they've you know haven't played great in a couple fourth quarters, but they've found a way to to win some close games. Minnesota's talented. I, I think Minnesota will be a tournament team once they get healthy. Um, so uh, right now we have four quad one wins. And if you look at the NET rankings, which that's what they use to select the, the tournament and seed the tournament, Nebraska is five, which means we would be a two seed right now in the NCAA tournament. Now there's a lot, a lot can change, but everybody doesn't think they've played a tough schedule. Um, you know, Creighton, San Diego, Wake Forest, and Minnesota are all tier one wins. So we're one of the few teams in the country that have four quad one wins. So all of that has been fun to follow. They've got a good group. Hopefully they – they stay healthy and, and stay together, and um, you know it's a long season. But but nine and zero is nine and zero. Gotta love it, Andy. Thanks for the insight today, bud. Appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. All right, thanks, Chris. Take care, Andy Markowski with us. Uh, stand out uh, with Nebraska basketball. Uh, his take on what it is right now with uh, Big Red hoops, and of course the women uh, doing work, unbeaten, soon to be ranked. Uh, they deserve it. Brad Edwards, college football insider, his take on Nebraska's hires and the coaching carousel that's about to stop. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Check us out on the podcast, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, you can find us at Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Good, Bad, Ugly. Give us a rating. Some... Uh, Constructive criticism, we'll, we'll get to on my length of interview questions. Always open for that. We welcome in college football insider Brad Edwards, at Edwards on Twitter. Brad, what a college football whirlwind it's been between the, the bowl selections, the coaching carousel, and uh, what a run for Bama against Georgia. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's crazy. Uh, if you look at the history of the conference championship game weekend, since the playoff began, there have been very few upsets. And uh, obviously, you know, people who are much longer-time fans, the, the older crowd remembers that in the BCS era, those were commonplace. I mean, there were upsets left and right when you get to that last day and everything would get turned on its head. But that had not happened so far in the playoff era. And, and between, the, between the, the Power Five and the American uh, in, in the, the playoff years, coming into this year, there had been only one significant upset in a playoff game, and it was in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, we finally got two, 
you know, in, in Baylor upsetting Oklahoma State and then Alabama beating Georgia. But the result of it was not chaos. It actually, it, like, those results made it, like, as easy as could be for the selection committee. And so uh, while there was no chaos, it, it wasn't because there were no upsets. It was just because they fell the right way. And, uh, and the committee, once again, really didn't have that difficult of a job to do. It'll be intriguing to, to see uh, how the, the playoff moves forward here with the matchups and setups. Brad Edwards with us. Brad, uh, we'll get to, to some thoughts here a little further on Bama and, and uh, also uh, Michigan. I want to get your take here on on Mark Whipple. He's the offensive coordinator now at Nebraska. That announcement today, I know uh, you've uh, a lot in your career you've seen uh, college football from coast to coast and what what sticks out to you about Whipple from what you remember and know uh, about his time at UMass but also just what he did this year with Pitt kind of seeing that that offense gradually go from ranked in the hundreds to, to three this year with a really good quarterback yeah you know it, it's funny because I kind of see Whipple as a guy who has uh, evolved over his career, I mean, when when I, the teams I remember from UMass uh, were predominantly running teams, and that was, you know, when they won. Uh, I guess I can't remember what year that was. Probably late '90s, won the FCS. Um, that they were they were a running team, and and now you know he he last year this past season um, you know has has led an offense that was uh, pretty wide open. It's not that they didn't run, uh, but they had a, a really good quarterback, really good receivers. And, and, and I guess what I would say is, is uh, he's probably a guy who is you know, cap- more capable than most of just adapting to the talent that he has. And there's some people who are really just tied to a system. And you know, they come in there, and it might take them two, three years to get it going because they've got to get the right players who fit that system. And uh, Whipple just strikes me, not that I've paid super close attention to him over the years, but just from the, 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 mo- the more memorable years that I have, uh, just seems like the kind of guy who, you know, he, he's going to take what you have there on the roster. He's going to figure out what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, and he's going to kind of build an offense around it. And I'm, I'm sure he has preferences for what he'd like to do. And, and what you see this year with Pitt is that if you have the quarterback and you have the receivers – He's got no problem slinging it all over the yard for most of the game and then putting up big numbers. Um, so that's probably what you aspire to, especially the way that, that passing games can dominate uh, these days. Uh, you know, Exhibit A, SEC championship game against uh, a seemingly impenetrable defense that you give a quarterback time to throw and you can do all sorts of things even against that bunch. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, think, I think Nebraska's got a guy they can be excited about and uh, doesn't necessarily – uh, have to be one of those situations where, uh, you know, wait till year two. Um, I'm not saying they'll be, you know, lights out year one, um, but, but, but I don't think it's one of those deals where, you know, you've got to get all your players in there before you can really make things go. What about Whipple as a mentor? Uh, and, and that's kind of the, the big thing I'm looking at here is Scott Frost is in year four. He needs to win in year five. You got Mickey Joseph from LSU. That's that's big. You've got uh, Donovan Riola, his O line coach, and he spent time kind of being tutored in the NFL and, of course, at Notre Dame. But Frost just having other voices around him, experienced voices, Brad, to to help maybe put a game plan together or just be there during a tight fourth quarter because Lord knows Nebraska has been in those. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, obviously, the, the very little things, the difference between winning and losing these one-possession games. And, uh, you know, wh- one of the things that I've learned just in general as I've gotten older is, is that you have to keep learning. You know, you, you never stop learning. And if you do, um, you're really going to fall behind. I just turned 50 this year. And uh, I know I'm a few years older than Scott Frost because I know when, when he finished college compared to when I finished college. And, uh, you know, I consider myself to, to still be relatively young. I know, you know, within the grand scheme of college football head coaches, especially in the Power Five, he's still a relatively young guy. So, you know, plenty for, for him to learn and grow. And, uh, you know, when you got the chance to, to lean on somebody, especially, you know, in the moment, they're – uh, on the sideline during a game to, to lean on somebody who's probably seen a lot more than you have. Um, it, it's, it's always something good uh, that, that you can turn to. And uh, I tell you what, Chris, I, I, I thought about you uh, last week as I was uh, – you and all the Nebraska fans uh, out there. I was posting something on social media um, talking about uh, how Alabama fans were very frustrated with their team, and the reason they were frustrated is because they were playing close games. <laughs> Now they they went four and one in the one possession games this year, um, and um, and that was enough to get them you know to the SEC championship game and now into the playoff. Um, but they're not used to even playing close games, and that was why they were getting frustrated. And I was thinking to myself, how much would Nebraska give to be four and one in one possession games uh, in a season? And uh, you know maybe the law of averages is going to work out, and, and they'll have one of those soon, but. It was, uh, I know you've probably talked about it ad nauseum, but uh, just from where I sit, man, just week after week, you just, can these guys catch a break? And uh, as we've talked about, like you you look at it and who a lot of those games have been against and they're not that far away. And and maybe, you know, just having um, just the right guys on the staff could, could make that little bit of difference. Yeah, and Brad, whenever you look at all those one-score games combined with just the craziness of the coaching carousel this year, I know it's been a, a few months since we last talked. Did you think now in hindsight it was a smart move for Nebraska to keep Scott Frost for one more year? Yeah, I mean, I, I do, and I understand why a lot of people would have said, hey, look, you know, with, with this type of record um, this far in, like you just got to cut bait. Um, but – I, I can certainly understand how Trev Alberts could look at it and see progress. You know, see a team that, like I just said, is not that far off from being uh, at the top 25 level. And, and so, uh, obviously, some changes need to be made, and, and they've made some changes. And, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll learn really soon whether Scott Frost is the guy. You know, another year or two will probably tell us all we need to know. Um, but it's not like it was a, a program that was just uh, – completely falling apart and uh you had no answers for anything uh so so yeah i mean i, I mean i guess the question would be who, who do you think you would have gone after and would the people that would have been at the top of your list if you're nebraska have been more interested in nebraska than some of the the many other blue blood jobs that came open uh you know programs that might seem to be a little bit closer to winning a national title than nebraska is at the moment so i uh, yeah, I do think in hindsight it was it was the right decision to keep Frost, um, not just because he wasn't as far off as people thought, or at least I, I don't think he's as far off as people think, uh, but also because you always have to go that next step and say, okay, who are we going to replace him with? And if there's not an obvious guy that you know you can get, sometimes it's best to just stay put. 
Brad Edwards, college football insider and author with us here, Hale Varsity Radio at J. Brad Edwards. Brad, it's been a wild carousel uh, between Lincoln Riley and, and USC and Oklahoma and Venables, Kelly and LSU, Notre Dame. Uh, where does Oregon go and what does Cristobal do at Miami? Yeah, um, Oregon, I don't know where they go. And, and as I say this, I don't even know who the top candidates are because, as you know, I've, I'm you know, not exactly covering it nationally right. this year the way that I have in, in recent years. But um, I, I, I think when you look at uh, the recent Oregon head coaches and, and you look at uh, uh, Cristobal uh, bolting for Miami and, and before that you had – Taggart going to uh, to FSU, you know, you. It, I mean, look, Chip Kelly going to the NFL is one thing. I mean, if you got a good coach, there, there's always going to be some risk of that. Um, but but leaving to go across the country to places that are that are struggling, um, I, you know, I, I think if you're Oregon, maybe your cue is to let, let's let's find someone with West Coast roots. Who, who wouldn't look at a job somewhere else as a dream job. And I'm not saying there's no step above Oregon in college football, obviously. Um, but, but I think certainly you, you want someone who's going to look at that as somewhat of a destination job and not a stepping stone. And someone who's on the West Coast is more likely to do that. I mean, sure, there's always the risk of, of someone who has a lot of success at Oregon, who loves the West Coast, leaving for, say, USC, uh, obviously, that's not too likely to happen in the next four or five years, you wouldn't think, with Lincoln Riley just getting there. Um, but I'm not sure there are any other West Coast destinations outside of SC um, that would be any more desirable than Oregon. So I, I, I would look in that direction if I was Rob Mullins and I was uh, having to, to find my next head coach. Yeah, and, and i just kind of doing the math. I look at Peterson. Does he want to get back in? Is Harson an option? Do you go bring Chip back for a 2.0? Out of UCLA, time will tell. But no, I wouldn't go with Chip. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like Chip, and he had a, a lot of success there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the types of things that he introduced, I mean, he was on the cutting edge, and defenses were trying to catch up to him. And since he left college, so many people have just uh, adopted the types of, of things that he was doing, and they're a lot more common to defenses now, and there, there are a lot of answers uh, still, if you have great talent, um, it's going to be difficult to stop any offense. But but he's he's not going to beat you on scheme the way that he did so often in his first stint at Oregon. So uh, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't go in that direction if I if I was Oregon. Brad, we'll uh, give you a shout here in uh, as we get closer to bowl season. Uh, always love talking college football with you. Real quick, uh, tell Nebraska fans how to get a hold of your book and. Uh, uh, it's it's a must read, a great holiday idea. Holiday idea this uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, if you love college football history, and especially if you know an Alabama fan, um, it's it, it's a great Christmas gift. And the, the dynasty that seemingly won't die, right? I mean, Nick Saban uh, in Tuscaloosa thing just keeps going on and on, even when when you think they're going to have a down year. And the book is about how much they've dominated under Saban. and uh, shows it through charts and graphs, just how dominant they've been and. Uh, you can get it at BamaDynastyBook.com. Brad, we'll do this again. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday at Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, what do you know? Not much, buddy. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. Uh, kind of piecing together, you know, what's left to do on the, the Nebraska football staff. And we need more than uh, than gauze and, and even stitches for Nebraska basketball. So <laughs> we'll dive into a little NFL injury uh, update and report. But uh, the Jets, uh, well, a bit hapless right now in year one for Robert Sala. And uh, their wideout, Corey Davis, undergoing season-ending uh, core muscle surgery. That happened earlier in the week. Dr. Brandon, let's start off with, you know, some of the core muscles that, that could be damaged or affected here. What's what's the potential here when we're talking about this injury uh, needing a surgical intervention? Yeah, you know, fortunately, we've seen probably less of these lately. We've, we've kind of changed some of our weightlifting protocols. There was kind of a real explosion in these kind of groin injuries and uh, kind of rectus abdominis injuries. Uh, once we started to do a lot of the kind of deeper squatting stuff that was going on, um, so those athletes, there was just kind of a, a ton of these athletes that came through here. Maybe in the last, oh, it's probably been, oh gosh, probably eight to ten years ago. There's kind of a big, big bounce in those uh, those numbers, but since we've kind of changed some our weightlifting routine, those have gone down, but they're still out there. Um, and essentially what happens here, you know, anatomically with, with what's going on here, they talk about a groin injury, this abdominal muscular injury, and they're kind of talking about the same thing. <clears throat> so as you think about this anatomically, the, the, the pelvis, um, there's a couple of ring structures in the top of the pelvis. And what happens there is one of your muscles that kind of comes down the, the central aspect, the midline aspect of your abdomen, it's called one of the rectus muscles, they have one on each side. As that comes down, there has to have a place to attach to so it can fire and, and pull on or lever on. And where that attaches to is on this a certain point in the pelvis. And what happens there is with repetitive you know, training and lifting and activities over time, you start to stretch where that kind of tendinous attachment is. On, in the pelvis, and you start to develop this thing called essentially a, a sports hernia is kind of the old name for it. It's not truly a hernia, but that's kind of how they originally uh, coined the, the phrase. And that's essentially what he has here, at least that's basically what we can tell based on the information they're giving us. And so that's where he's at, um, and then they obviously have to make a decision about this as, as to whether you rehab it versus surgery. Dr. Brandon Seifer with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Corey Davis, wide out for the Jets and a core muscle injury. And uh, we'll see how things play out for him. Um, it's something that 
sounds pretty invasive. It sounds pretty painful, Dr. Brandon. Is this something that a guy can play through? But if you if you choose to do it, you're just going to kind of make it worse? Yeah, you know, definitely kind of different different or varying grades of this. And so your ability to play through this, uh, it, it's possible for sure. And I think a lot of athletes do. Um, you know, this is the injury that feels like the, yeah, you just kind of have some groin soreness, maybe some hip flexor, you know, soreness. Kind of these kind of chronic nagging, you know, kind of groin injuries you hear about, you know, feeling like maybe my hip's tight. Those are some classic things that we'll hear from athletes that probably have been dealing with these for a long time. And, and I would say probably the vast majority majority of athletes, especially non-NFL level, have probably dealt with this in one way or another and have just, you know, played through it. Uh, once you start to get up to that level, and we're more aware of it now, too, just in general, <clears throat> more of these are you know, being diagnosed just from that perspective. But again, I wouldn't say there's, you know, more surgery being performed on these than, than what was going on at least eight to ten years ago. Uh, but having to make that determination, it really boils down to, you know, going through a non-operative program. That's what the majority of athletes will do uh, before you ever kind of make that leap to surgery. It's going through an extensive rehab program, changing the way, you know, you're doing your weightlifting and kind of your off-season cross-training workouts. And those kind of things can be super successful in terms of getting yourself back without surgery. And obviously, if those things fail in this situation, you got to talk about, you know, going in there and fixing it with surgery. Dr. Brandon, let's talk about the surgery and then the rehab and the recovery versus the re-injury, you know, once this is fixed, once the, the sports hernia is taken care of, you know, what's the, what's the recovery time? And then how quickly can an athlete get back into their normal regimen? Yeah, you know, I've seen some of these be as quick as, you know, three to four months of getting back. I'm sure they'll take their time with him. Plus, in the NFL, they've got you know, plenty of time for an extra to get ready. Um, there's some uh, specific, you know, docs that, that deal with this. A lot of these surgeries being done more by general surgeons who do more kind of in the atom and do more kind of hernia surgeries, even though this isn't truly a hernia surgery. Um, but there's some real specialized folks that are doing this. Probably the most famous gentleman is out in kind of the Pittsburgh area that, that kind of coined or, or started kind of a new process for fixing knees, and it's kind of branched out from there. Uh, but then you look at recovery about three or four months, most likely. Um, they do they do pretty well. I think the prognosis of these is, is pretty successful. But I do think you have to be careful about what type of kind of core strengthening and kind of weightlifting activities you do in the future. What if you take some of those those core workouts off the table – you know what? What? How does that diminish the athlete when it comes to performing? Can you supplement what you're taking away with with another form of training? I guess without re-injury. Yeah, I think you can. I think there's some pretty good regimens out there that have been developed as kind of alternatives um, for for these athletes in particular. Because uh, again, there was a huge number of these folks, and they've had to kind of alter what they do. And I think through that process we've probably discovered maybe some lifting issues that might even be better than what they were doing before. And again, they definitely keep you more on that, uh, keeping you more injury free, if you will. Um, and so I think some of the things that have developed from this just in terms of newer weight lists are probably better in the end. And so I think, yes, they can get back to, to doing a really good train weight training program. That'll get them back where they need to be. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Corey Davis, our topic, Jets wide receiver, his core injury. And uh, Dr. Brandon, just a last quick thought here when it comes to, to re-injury. Once you have a problem area in the core, uh, is it 
possible that it, it reoccurs or is it likely to be one of these things that gets fixed and goes away? Yeah, you know, I think the majority of these do well as long as you have an appropriate kind of altering of, of what you're doing strength-wise after surgery. I think the success of these is pretty darn high um, in terms of the recurrence and you're getting back to that kind of same level of play. But if you kind of go back to that old kind of weight training routine, I think that the, the re-injury risk here is probably substantial. Um, and there, there's probably a number of these folks that never do quite get back to that same level after this procedure or kind of retweak it again and kind of get stuck in that kind of chronic groin pain kind of scenario again. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for the, the time today. Sounds great, Chris. You guys take care. Good stuff. Uh, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, good to hear from him. We'll wind down a Wednesday edition tomorrow on Hale Varsity Radio. Going to be good stuff. Mad Chick, ESPN. You And, of course, uh, with the SEC Network, he'll join us. Gary Barnett, plenty more for a Thursday on the way. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good, bad, or ugly, rate the podcast, Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You can also log on herdat.com and check out the entire arsenal of Hail Varsity podcast. Aaron Sorensen, Brandon Vogel, Derek Peterson, Greg Smith, Jacob Padilla, and uh, your friend Schick and Nick. And, of course, uh, Schick will be with us tomorrow. Gary Barnett with us tomorrow. Brandon Vogel will get Searles back on here in a week. He is pheasant hunting up in South Dakota. Reminder to buckle up. Game preparation and uh, repetition. Predict success in winning drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So some NFL tomorrow night. Uh, things get rolling. Pittsburgh, Minnesota. That should be intriguing. Uh, I want to get up to U.S. Bank and see a game up there. Not a big Vikings fan. The venue looks really cool. Uh, Baltimore's at Cleveland. Vegas KC's always a pretty fun game. Friend Will Compton got signed by uh, Vegas, so that's good stuff for him. Your game of the weekend might be or a game of the week might be Arizona, L.A., Rams, Cards. It's not it's Lions, Lions, Broncos isn't your game of the week? What's Are you going? That? No, definitely not. 
could probably find you some seats. See, I, oh, probably for cheap too. I, I wanted to get some uh, some seats to Arrowhead for Sunday night, but the problem was was I was looking at it before it got flexed to Sunday night football, and then as soon as it got flexed to Sunday night football, it was immediately out of my price range. I mean, that's not worth it anymore. No, I, I get you. Buffalo goes to Tampa. Mm. See how the Bills bounce back after getting shellacked. Who are the uh, the Patriots playing this weekend? I think New England's got a buy. Ah, it's good for them after all those passing attempts they had on Monday night. I'm sure Mac Jones' arms need some rest. Got to ice the arm. (laughs) Trying to figure out dinner tonight, man. Do we do air fryer for a third straight night, or is it let's go get a beer and a burger somewhere? Trying to talk Junior into – he is all entrenched in biology. Mm. He actually is good at the subject and likes it. So – and he's a, uh, freshman. a freshman, too, so he's taking the, the, the higher-level science course already? He is. Good for him. I did, too. He's, <laughs> I'm sure you didn't, but... No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, no, I, he got his brains uh, from his mama. Hmm. For sure, for sure. So you're trying to convince him to go get a, a beer and a burger with you? Well, he's like, can you pick something up? That's code for let's drop several hundred dollars on the McDonald's drive through Several hundred? Oh, he is. The price of chicken nuggets is out of control. Got to get the McDonald's app. Well, he. There's all the steals on there. Well, the thing, what are you doing if you're going to McDonald's? I guess they don't really have a dollar menu anymore. What are you doing if you're not going to McDonald's to either get the dollar menu or the McRib? Dude, you feel so (laughs) much better about yourself if you have two sacks worth of dollar or two for three items. You you could feed yourself from McDonald's like $5 for a whole day. Oh, easily it's unreal so i, I kind of shot that down so i don't know if i'm going to talk him into going somewhere or just air frying it need it to be weather like tomorrow we're gonna get so i can finally grill i personally been making some craft mac and cheese ah the legendary elijah herbal mac and cheese we'll give you a report tomorrow thanks a hood at media production